the all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. Yes, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sports Day. Daniel Menzel with you as usual. Paul Bonsor is off at the basketball tonight, and I'm Ben Hook as the fill-in of the fill-in. If you like, uh, the Australian men's cricket team into a World Cup final on the shoulders of Travis Heads. Two crucial wickets and 62 runs at the top on a very difficult wicket. He leads Australia to the seventh semi-final win in eight World Cup attempts. That is quite remarkable. There's so much cricket going on at the moment. The Redbacks are in the fight of their lives over there in Perth. The Strikers are in Sydney tomorrow. And we are doing it thanks to just quality home improvement. So get involved in the show. The open line one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can text us in 0427154166. Thank you to Irrigear. To save time and water, Irrigear is here Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. Dan Menzel, the new father, you would have had a few opportunities to watch a bit of the cricket overnight, I would have thought. I have, Hooky. I made it through to the end of the match, which uh, always looked like it was going to go in Australia's favour when uh, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood tore through their opening order. Four for spit makes it hard to come back from. It does. How long did you last last night in the game? No, no I'm not great, to be honest, these days. We've got uh, one that's a little bit older than your young one, yep. and she can be very... Very difficult to manage overnight. So you take every little bit of sleep you can possibly get. I got through to around about 11.30. So uh, not long after Travis's two wickets. And I thought, oh, they're really pretty much cooked here. South Africa, because they do have such a long tail. David Miller obviously batted uh, superbly. He's a he's a wonderful player and a wonderful striker of the ball. But, uh, yes, I didn't see any of the Australian batting innings. Woke up about half past five this morning and was very delighted to see when I uh, turned on the phone and looked at a score that not only had we won, but Travis Head had been instrumental in it. Oh, he was. He was instrumental with the ball, but also with the bat. And the thing I loved about it was... Chasing 212, teams can sometimes fall into it that, all right, we only need to go at just over four and over. Maybe we just pull it back a little bit. He didn't do that. He batted it in his traditional form. So did David Warner. Warner 29 off 18 and Travis Head 62 off 48. So it put the game away. And although we were seven down for 215, chasing with uh, about three overs to go, we were always in control. And it was a really good win. We might actually have a listen to Travis Head here post-match. I think we knew um, how it was going to play. Well, we, we hoped that we knew how we were going to play and how we would adapt to it. So, um, And we probably haven't seen something spin like that much throughout. So um, probably had to play a little bit different. Uh, we knew it was going to be a grind and a battle, and um, that's what it was. Yeah, I just want to contribute for Australia, and, and um, nice to do that again today. Um, and we get another opportunity in a couple of days' time. There you go. So they talked about the fact that uh, this was a pitch that had been used a couple of times before. It's really unusual in ICC-managed events where a cricket pitch would be used multiple times. They've obviously got multiple pitches on the square. And generally, in particular for a semi-final, you'd expect a fresh pitch to be used. What did you make of that, Dan Menzel? Did India seem to have their fingerprints all over the way the ICC is actually preparing these pitches as distinct from the BP, BCCI? Oh, without a doubt, they do. I'm, I'm not sure as much the South African and Australia game, but certainly the Mumbai game where they played New Zealand. Uh, we know what has happened under lights there in the second innings. It's hooped around and you haven't been able to make runs at the top of the order. You haven't been able to stay in as well. So they did make it much more of a dust bowl, which meant that they were going to put a score on the board, and they certainly did that. So there's no doubt that that has happened. We, we went all the way to Barat Sundarazan the other day 
on the run home and asked him about it, and he he basically said, "Well, that's what India does. We control we control the sport. So that's just how it is." And what will be interesting is what they do with the pitch and the final uh, in Gujarat, which has traditionally been a, a high run scoring venue. That's going to be Sunday night. India taking on Australia. What will they do there? I'll have my say on this, but first of all, I want everyone to listen to Tim Payne. This is what he had to say on the change to the pitch. Regardless of whether they do it or they don't, you can't change. You can't control it. And secondly, it, it's done before the game. So if you're going to play around with the pitch and you lose the toss, it can, it can go against you. It's, not, it's, you know, it's the same for both teams. At the end of the day, our India play better in their own conditions. If it's spinning and a bit lower, then yeah, probably. But I think that's how the pitches are going to be anyway. And in the end, I think there were 700 runs scored on that pitch, so it couldn't have been too bad. I think Tim Payne's completely missed the point. You cannot have a situation where a nation that hosts on behalf of the ICC suddenly gets involved and prepares wickets, not in a manner to feather up their own team, but to actually make it more difficult for the team they don't want in the final. That was clearly prepared. That wicket was prepared to suit South Africa because they were expecting that Kisaf Majaraj would go through the Australian team. And so to make a determination that how you're going to prepare pitches simply on the basis of the fact of who you want to win, that's a complete failure of management of the competition. I'll go one step further than this, Dan, and I'll say that this is a great example of the insecurity of India as a cricket team, as a cricket nation. They can't trust their own immense skill across all facets and are happy to play on surfaces. They're determined to play on surfaces that blunt an opponent. And I just think that's completely wrong in international sport. This sport's going to the Olympics soon enough. And we have one nation that is riding roughshod on all the rest in the way that uh, the competition is played under fair and equitable laws. It's completely wrong. Oh, it's wrong. It's Unfortunately, it's the power of it. They have the, all the power in the sport. And I don't disagree with you, but who's going to take them on? Who's going to pull them up on that? And, and how are we going to actually make something change? I don't see that happening. Uh, and again, we might have this discussion next week after the final is played. And it's potentially... Doctored in a way that helps India. I mean, the four games that have been played in Gujarat so far this year, remember back to the opening game, England taking on New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand chased them down comfortably there. India played Pakistan, and they absolutely dominated them. It was an easy pitch to bat on. But the last two, Australia took on England, 280, 250 in that game. And Afghanistan and South Africa played a lower-scoring game. So we don't actually know what pitch we're going to get because it's seen a bit of everything, the Gujarat pitch. But you're right, India will certainly have the conditions favourable for them. Yeah, look, there's some really good points to be made about it. I I don't want to sort of talk too much about the way Australia will structure for uh, the final, but I reckon Tim Payne, who spoke on Tasmanian Breakfast Radio this morning, uh, he's got some really interesting thoughts about this. I think they got it right, and I think it will stay that way with the with the game being you know such a short turnaround. I met a bad the venue for the final has been pretty good. Uh, so I so I don't see any reason to change the team again unless you get there and the conditions are something slightly different. Yeah, interesting that and whether they do make those changes. We might have a chat about that later in the show, but I reckon let's get on to the Redbacks hook here yes. who are taking on WA at the moment over at the Wacker. Do you have a score update for us on day three? Yeah, I will get you a score update just as soon as I can get my uh, phone open, which isn't happening at the moment. I know so, at- so- the Redbacks batted first, 192. WA made 204 in reply. We then bowled out for 212. What are, what are WA currently? So they're three for 64, but Teague Wiley, who's a star young and up-and-coming batter, has also retired hurt. So we don't know if he's going to be able to come back and bat again, but the good thing is 
Hilton Cartwright and Cameron Bancroft are both back in the sheds who are, I'd argue, the two guys who you really want to make sure... They're the danger men. ...don't hurt you too much when you're only trying to defend 200. Um, Aaron Hardy, very good player. He's in at the moment. Jaden Goodwin is batting alongside him. He's... Uh, Looks like a bit of a nervous young kid. He got run out in a bit of a clumsy manner. Uh, Josh Phillippe absolutely burnt him. Uh, so, oh, look, I really think that um, South Australia are in this game. They were one for 50, but now three for 68. And if T. Wiley retired hurt and can't make uh, an ongoing contribution, then I'd argue that uh, South Australia is probably in front in that game well, right th- now. That would require six more wickets. WA require 137 more runs to win. They'll be a bit nervous facing Brendan Doggart, who's bowled the 9.4 overs currently. Three for 16. And has come back into this side late as well. He uh, he started in the side at the start of the year and struggled a little bit, left out for a couple of games. Has come back in where Zagar, I think, um, just yep. has had a huge workload and yes. enjoyed a bit of a break. So Brendan Doggett, three for 20 off of his 10 overs, going absolutely beautifully. Can you remember back to the day you were drafted? I do, yes. Tell me about it. Uh, I remember having a lot of my family. I went around to one of my brother's houses and... A lot of families around. It was actually my valedictory night for year 12. So I went and watched the draft, uh, got the news that I was picked at pick 17 to Geelong, spoke with them, and then went to my valedictory night. So it's a pretty special occasion, not just for the individual involved, but your whole family. The Crows, uh, Port Adelaide are almost irrelevant in the draft this year. I think they've got one pick and it's pick 73. Yep. So uh, that is, they're, they're almost waste, waste of money flying over. The Crows are really interesting. They've got picks 10, 14, and 20. I think that's a pretty reasonable draft hand. It's a great draft hand. In your opinion, Dan, should Adelaide be thinking about trying to maybe package two of those picks together and move up the draft order deeper inside the top 10? Without a doubt. You're going to have other teams that would be interested in that. And uh, if they can do that, that is something that I would uh, I would say that the Crows and Hamish Ogilvie should certainly do that. We might actually have a listen here to Hamish, Hamish Ogilvie on whether that will happen. You had asked me yesterday, I thought we were getting close to set and then uh, the phone rang in the afternoon and it's Reedy's phone's been ringing all morning and there's probably the possibility of that now. So I don't know if it's definite, but we've fielded some calls. So we reconvened today and prepared some more scenarios to go up with the odd pick and perhaps go back a little bit as well. So there's more going on than I anticipated. So there you have it. Um, I mean, you always keep your options open I guess at this particular point in time I'm really wary about it I don't like it I know do you remember when the Crows were trying were thinking about actually um trading for Jason Horn Francis yeah and you think about the picks that they would have, have given give up. up a lot I, I, I don't know I'm I, I would just run with 10, 14, and 20, oh, quite I think, frankly. I think they definitely should run with it. But I think the closer it gets to the draft, almost the greater those picks are. And, and you can almost sometimes get overs to be able to get an extra pick if a team wants to move up. So I'll be open to listening to it. Um, but also, it depends on what players they're after as well. That's the other factor that you have to think about. Massive show coming up. We just need to let Max from Hectorville know that we do know you are calling. We're having trouble actually answering via the computer system at the moment. We will call you back, but we're just having some phone issues. So we appreciate Max from Hectorville is trying to chase us down. Let me tell you about what's coming up on the show because it is quite amazing. It's thanks to Lumo Energy. Switch to the affirmative. Join Lumo Energy today. And Kia, Kia's epic range, the Kia Sportage. Seltos. I can hardly read that. I just didn't bring my glasses tonight, everyone. So uh, that's why I might be bumbling through a few of these reads. But the Seltos and EV6 GT. Right. We're going to go after the break talking about your top five number two picks. And I'll just tell you how I'm going reading this. 
I was halfway through. I was about to say your top five New Zealand picks, but that is number <laughs> two picks between 2010 and 2020. And then some really interesting interviews that we'll catch up with a little bit later on in the show. Jess Waterhouse from the Crows AFLW team, of course, they're taking on the Swans at Norwood tomorrow night. And Bridget Patterson, at the same time, she's playing for the Strikers and they'll be facing the Sydney Sixers over there in Sydney. Plenty to come. Don't go away. You're listening to Sports Day. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. 1-300-736-736 is the Just Quality Home Improvements open line. You can text us in 0427154166. Dan Menzel with you. Ben Hook in the chair for Paul Bonsor. And uh, Max, we finally got you, Max. Welcome to Sports Day. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, um, I just wanted to yeah uh, have my thoughts on Australia's chances uh, in the, against India in the final. What do you think? Yeah, cricket. You know the cricket. Yeah. What chances do you give us, well, Max? Well, I think. Pardon. What chances do you give us? Uh well, the thing is, right. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't want to think this way, but I think it could be like a Port Geelong 2007 <laughs> Grand Final <laughs> if you can. And how are no, the Port fans? I'm, I'm wrong. Port fans. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but the thing is that. Um, they just haven't, they've been very patchy. I don't want to be negative, but they've been very patchy, Australia, with their, even in their wins. And they'll need to have a clinical performance if they are to beat India. They haven't done it yet. So if they can do that, then, you know, who knows? But the thing is that what I've noticed, I wrote down a few notes, some key points. Love it. Zampa has been obviously the main ball um, rely on him to be, you know, but the problem is he's not a, as effective against India and South Africa as he's been against the other teams. Correct. So he's then obviously Australia's main spinner, uh, spinner and obviously India have got two uh, good, you know, very good main spinners. So if it's a turning pitch, I think, you know, that's one thing where they've obviously got the advantage there. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the... Example of the not being clinical was they had South Africa uh, four for 24 and then allowed them to get 213. And um, I think when Cummins come on, the pressure sort of, um, they, they sort of let the pressure off a bit. And when Zampa come on, um, they just, you know, allowed them to get to 213 and then they got off to a fly with the bat and then sort of, all, they just crawled over the line, you know, but... Uh, you know, a bit negative. It's just my opinion. You know, um, you know, I bet, you know. Max, Max, you make a lot of really good points there. Uh, I, I do think that Max is spot on. Australia can't have a passenger and get away with that result. Without, without a doubt. And the other point that I love that he made about South Africa having them at four for 24 and letting them off, well, if, you, if I take you back to when we played India at the start of the tournament, we had them three for early. We dropped Coley. And they come out and they beat us. So, again, the pressure valve against them didn't work last time. So, it's a super point, Max. I, I don't give us a great chance either. No, I, I, th- I think we lose. I, don't, I think we're the second best team in the competition. Yep. I think India probably proved that. But the other thing, the other factor is that Mitchell Marsh, zero, and Glenn Maxwell, one. Those guys have to be serious contributors in a final if Australia's going to win. If yep. they don't fire big bullets, 
Australia can't beat India, who you know, they just don't have a weakness. Yeah. We talk about their amazing spin attack, but the pace attack is amazing. Yep. Siraj is bowling beautifully. Mohammed Shami on those wickets is Seven for. borderline unplayable. In his, his last Jasper, game. Jasper Boomer is a superstar. And then, of course, Jadeja and uh, Kuldeep, they're both just world-class spinners. So they, they do not have a weakness. And you look at their, their, their top batting order. I mean, you've identified a couple of them. You left out a bloke called Virat Kohli. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Player of the tournament yeah, so far. So 700-and-odd runs. <laughs> they're going to be tough to beat. But, uh, Hooky, I think it's time for the good oil. Yeah, it is. It's Cobram Estate. It is wonderful. I can see a couple of bottles there in front of me. And one of them is coming home with me tonight, that chilli oil Ooh, yeah. uh, I'm in love with. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil grown harvested and first cold pressed in northern victoria and thanks to the good oil of cobram estate you're going to give us your top five number two picks from the afl draft between 2010 and 2020 away you go yeah so of that decade so these are the five guys that didn't make the top 10 john o'rourke was in the 2012 draft harley bunnell could have been but wasn't 2012 uh, 2010 sorry josh shackey he makes a few top fives harley bunnell <laughs> Uh, we'll move on from that. Jack Lacocious, going to have a great Out. career. Yep, but he's not going to be Ooh. in the top five. This is currently. Dude, there's some hot ones. There is. I well, haven't studied this. How about this one? Noah Anderson doesn't make it either. <laughs> so this is the top five. Tim Taranto comes in at number five. 2016 driver. He's played 137 games, the best and fairest in 2023. Number four, Andrew Brayshaw from Fremantle, 2017 draft. He actually won the AFL Players Association Player of the Year last year, but he's not in the top three. Jeez, you're, 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 giving, you're making it hard on guys who've been drafted a bit more recently. Yeah, well, that's because of the body of work that these three guys have. Stephen Coniglio comes in at number three. He was in the 2011 draft. He's played more than 200 games. He's I, captained that club for three years. I think you're wrong. I've got four guys I'd have ahead of Coniglio. That's fine. You're going on recent form. He had a great year last year, and he had about four years in the middle of his career where he was sensational. At number two, jo- uh, Josh Kelly comes in at number two. I don't think you'll disagree with that one. The 2013 draft, he's played 198 games. He's been all Australian as well, and he's been captain of that footy club. I wouldn't swap Cornelio for Kelly. I would swap Cornelio for the other four that you said, including two that you left out. Oh, Lukosh has played 85 games. There's no way he's ahead of Coniglio yet. He will go past him, but and number one What's is... What's the point of this? Number just, one, just pick the blokes who you know got drafted 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014. We're going on current body of work, Hookie. I like your point, but we're going on the current body of work, which is why also the number one in the number two draft picks in that decade is Christian Petrarca. 2014 drafted 176 games, 170 goals, four All-Australians, Norm Smith medalist and a premiership player, two best and fairest as well. Are you happy with that one? Cannot argue with that one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, who was pick one in 2014? In 20, we're doing pick ones on Monday night, so let's hold off for Cobram that. Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold pressed in Northern Victoria. Hey, here's a quick community update. Thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with South Australian Country Fire Service. Visit cfs.sa.gov.au. This community update is thanks to the new Firecoat, the first paint proven to be to protect property in high-risk fire conditions. It's available at Bunnings Warehouse. Massive, massive second half of the show coming up, Dan, but I tell you what, we're going to have to, in the break, just go through that top five you've just done because, geez, you made a fair few. Nah, give us your feedback, text in as well. (laughs) Don't go away, everyone. You are listening to Sports Day. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. 
Yeah, thanks for your company on Sports Day. We're doing it thanks to Just Quality Home Improvements, the open line for Just Quality Home Improvements. one 736 736 or send us a text on 0427 Our next guest is thanks to Tyre Power. Holiday getaway sale now on with huge value on selected Falcon passenger and SUV tyres. Sports Day SA. I on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. All right, Hooky, our next guest comes to us from the Adelaide Crows women's team. A massive game this Saturday night at Norwood Oval. We take on the Sydney Swans. It's a semi-final. We need to win. And I'm in, really excited to announce that we've got Jess Waterhouse on the show with us. Jess, welcome to Sports Day. G'day. Thank you very much for having me. Great to have you on, Jess. Now, first question, you didn't play last week. Uh, you, you've been named. You're back in this week. Uh, I believe it's great to see. Yeah, yeah. Stoked to be back in the team for the, the semi against Sydney. Obviously out for a couple of weeks in a row, but yeah, just really working hard for my spot and happy to see my name go up on the board at team selection. Without a doubt. It's great to have that competition for spots. Uh, but on to last week, a disappointing loss. How's the review been this week with Doc Clark and, and everything that's gone into it from the loss this last weekend, but also then into Sydney this Saturday night? Yeah. Um, disappointing loss, definitely, against Brisbane. Um, good thing, though, we had obviously a strong season, so we gave ourselves that double chance to be able to play again this weekend against Sydney. Um, we did spend Monday review just, I guess, trying to capture how we could play that better. And I think Brisbane probably just managed the last couple of minutes of the game better than what we did. Stats were still pretty good, but, yeah, we've just got to take our opportunities when they come. Um, so, yeah, really just now looking to rebound. And we had a strong training session on Wednesday. So really ready for City to come down and play against us in a Nord in front of our home fans. Yeah, without, and, um, a, without a doubt. I, I, yeah. I just wanted to touch on that. You mentioned the stats. Every metric last game was in Adelaide's favour, except maybe the tackle numbers and obviously the goals column. So does it feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity last week against the Lions? Uh, definitely a missed opportunity, yeah. Uh, Doc mentioned that uh, when we played against North, the numbers were probably more towards North and we were lucky to get the win. So it's just footy. You just have to take your chances when they come. Um, yeah, I think we had one goal seven in in the last quarter, so uh, the last half. Sorry, so if we can take you know those behind and send them through the big six, then obviously we win the game instead of coming off feeling pretty disappointed. Yeah, without a doubt. Now on to Sydney this weekend. They didn't win a game last year. They, they are the fairy tale story of the AFLW season so far. What do we have to be wary with them against us uh, tomorrow night? Uh, yeah, obviously they had a challenging season last year as, a, as their first, but they've come out firing this year. And credit to them, they've worked hard. They've recruited well in the off-season as well. So they've got a really good game play. Um, we're confident, though, that if we play that exciting Crows brand of footy that we can take it to any team. So um, playing that brave footy and, uh, yeah, just moving it quick and hopefully just um, punishing them on the, on the score sheet. The other one with that is the finals experience, the learnings from 12 months ago. We played in a qualifying final. We lost that. We then came into this semifinal and won that. Do you think that the finals experience will play a part against a Sydney team that effectively has only played one game in the finals? Definitely, yeah. Finals are a completely different ball game. You know, you can't just sack like it's just another game. You have to really step up and and um, put your best foot forward for finals. And it's 
it doesn't matter who's been, you know, on top all season. It's about who comes out and wants to be that biggest competitor on the day. So um, it's good now that the younger girls especially have got a few more finals games under their belt over the last couple of, couple of seasons. Um, obviously, we've got our seasons finals people like Noffy and Randy and, and Hatchie, but we've got those other younger girls coming through now. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a good good for all of them. It certainly is. Now, Jess, I had a look at the fixture from this year and last year today. There's quite a quirk in the fixture. The Adelaide Crows women's teams never actually played against the Sydney Swans. I mean, it's only their second season, but be the first game that you play against them. Is Chloe Malloy potentially the standout player that we have to negate? Yeah, it'll be our first time playing against the Swans, so that's exciting to start a new rivalry against the new team. Um, yeah, we can't underestimate Malloy as a, as a player. She's a, a class a class footballer, has a good footy IQ, so we can't underestimate a lot of their players. Um, we don't necessarily go into games thinking, you know, their one player is going to be what we target. We go in backing our footy and making sure that we're doing everything right to, to get the job done. shouldn't matter who you're coming up against. You're just playing your brand. So, yeah, as long as we play brave brave and exciting footy for the fans, we'll, we'll be happy and hopefully we get the win. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that, the brave and exciting footy, because throughout the season we averaged about 60 points a game. We know last week we weren't quite accurate, but we kicked 37 for a total. So I know yourself being a forward, potentially we'd love to see more score kicked. Is that going to be a big focus this week, is taking the game on, playing with that exuberance and excitement? Definitely, yeah. It's it's not only like good for us, obviously, to, to win and, and score more goals, but it's also exciting for people to watch women's footy and um, having those high score margins and um, yeah it's just an exciting game when you can get the ball moving and I guess have a high inside 50 count and then punish them on the scoreboard so it is something that we've been working on and um, yeah hopefully we can just bring that to the front on the weekend. We're chatting with AFLW Crows player Jess Waterhouse. Jess, how are you prepared? It's your first final this season. You're going to be nervous. You're going to have that level of excitement about you. How will you be heading into the game? Yeah, um, I'm excited to play my first final, especially as a crow as well. Um, no nerves here. Cool, calm, collected. I'm just just pumped to be out there, and I've been in a lot of high pressure environments, I guess, from my sporting career. So I just prepare the same way but yeah as soon as I cross that line I'm, I'm pumped and ready to go. Yeah you mentioned your, your sporting career you, you played soccer you captained the Matildas in the under 15s how does it compare then I guess in terms of a, a big AFL game compared to a, a massive game in soccer? I mean like representing your country and, and walking out in, in the green and gold is is very nerve-wracking as a 14, 15 year old playing in front of a stadium but um Footy's just so different. Footy's just like, it's awesome. Like the atmosphere down at Norwood, you can really hear the crowd. They're right there on the boundary line. So it's much louder. Um, yeah, I'm just just so excited. It's completely different to soccer, but um, yeah, just pumped for it, pumped for the new challenge and happy to get final one out the way this weekend. Without a doubt. And hopefully with a win to then, if we do, when we take on North Melbourne, who we beat under a month ago. So the path there is clear for us to be able to go and get back to that grand final. It's going to be a beautiful, sunny 26 degrees. Are you happy with that? Would you prefer the warmer conditions rather than rain and a little bit gloomy? Oh, not, I'm not a fan of the heat too much. <laughs> well, 26 really mind, is not too bad. Yeah. 
Coming from soccer being a winter sport, it was always raining. I think I'm just happy in that condition. I like wet footy. Um, but no, nah, take on any challenge. 26 sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think 26 sounds like it'd be great. It'd be great for the crowd as well. And make sure, Crows fans, you get down there to Norwood Oval. Jess, I want to wish you all the best uh, Saturday, tomorrow night against the Swans. It's great to see you back in. And hopefully you're going to be the secret weapon that can catapult us through to that preliminary final. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Jess Thanks. Waterhouse there from the Adelaide Crows women's team. They take on, as mentioned, the Sydney Swans tomorrow night, 7.15 at Norwood Oval. So if you're not doing anything, there's not going to be many better things on a Saturday night. Get down to Norwood Oval to see the Crows get a win and get through to that preliminary final. Beautiful work there, Dan. Great to catch up with Jess Waterhouse. And we go from one superstar of footy to a superstar of South Australian cricket. She's the keeper batter for the Strikers WBBL team. She joins us thanks to mate Fair Dinkum Internet without the fuss. Score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Kerr worldie with mate. Her name is Bridget Patterson and she joins us now. Bridget, welcome to Sports Day. Hello, thanks for having me. Bridget, uh, you played your 128th game for the Adelaide Strikers on Wednesday night. Do you know how many games the Adelaide Strikers as a team has played in the WBBL? Um, As many as that. 128. You have played every game for the franchise. You and one other player, Amanda Jade Wellington, that is a remarkable record. Uh, Does it make you feel a little bit old? Um, no, not really. I still move around as if I'm um, 21. So I guess the, the number of games doesn't really matter. But no, really, really um, privileged to be able to play 128 games for the Strikers so far and hopefully many more. You do move around like you're 21, although you're doing it a little bit differently these days, Bridget, uh, as a wicketkeeper behind the stumps. Uh, well, you're 10 games in now. How have you found it? I know it's been good. Um, It's been nice to do something different um, and not make a complete fool of myself, I guess, um, behind the stumps. Um, Yeah, it's been good to to catch them half reasonable um, and not just be a backstop. But um, that's also, yeah, credit to our bowlers. Um, Obviously, yeah, we've got a a world-class bowling lineup. So, um, yeah, it's nice to get a few behind the stumps. I was a little bit worried earlier in the year when you were making stumpings by having to kick the ball on or uh, or hope that that was the direction it went. But since then, you've been really clean and it hasn't been easy because I've noticed you've been keeping up to the stumps to Megan Shute, who can swing it a long way. And you've got two leg spinners in the side and those leg spinners, well, that's where the similarities end, that they're called leg spinners. Uh, Amanda Jade bowls um, with a lot of flight and uh, Anasuma Shangwe is very, very quick through the air. So you've, you would have been on a very steep learning curve dealing with such uh, different differential in in styles of bowling um yeah i yeah as you said um obviously yeah two very different leg spinners um and megan shoot that hoops the ball um and yeah has has burnt me a couple of times but i've managed to stop (laughs) them down the um leg side but that's okay um yeah i guess it's fortunate for me to to have those two um or those three uh, essays to get a little bit of time um before coming into the competition um and i guess yeah the the stumpings off of um off of the shins i mean i'm i'm glad that we wear shin guards so um <laughs> yeah they come off the shins a little bit harder than um just the shin itself but um no it, it's 
it's good and I'm yeah, I'm glad I'm in their team and I don't have to face them out in the, <laughs> when I'm batting. Now, Bridget, your wicketkeeping has been good, but I want to talk about your batting, which has been in some nice form. You made 36 not out against the Thunder on Wednesday, 36 not out the Wednesday before against the Renegades. Are we just expecting another 36 against the Sydney Sixers uh, in this game coming up? Um, well, last game it was actually 40, but apparently... Um, <laughs> You don't get the uh, boundary. The winning runs. Um, from, yeah, from the no ball. It was a no, no ball. ball the boundary, yeah. Um, Did you I not get that? the umpire. No, you don't. Oh, that is stiff. I actually Oof. asked the umpire, oh, can I actually have the no ball as well? Like, can we just stay out here for an extra delivery? Um, but no. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just happy to be able to play my role for the team and, and see us through to the end. Um, and, yeah, like, it, like I said, I'll play my role and um, hopefully yeah, continue to do that throughout the rest of the season. So speaking of that, if we win this game against the Sydney Sixers, it consolidates a finals berth for the Strikers. I'm guessing that hasn't been too much chat, but the form's good. It looks like back-to-back finals and potentially uh, on our way to go again to another final. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not really spoken about, but I guess at the Strikers it's kind of... Um, yeah, that's what we want to be doing. We want to be playing finals. Um, and, yeah, it's it's nice to know that, actually. I, I didn't know that before you just said that. Um, that, yeah, we win the next game and we're back back through into the finals again. Um, but, yeah, like one game, one game at a time. It's massive uh, Saturday night, of course, because if you can knock over the Sixers, it pretty much rules them out of contention as well. Certainly go a long way to do that. You've got the Thunder on Tuesday and then a massive night back at Adelaide Oval the following Friday. I know it's a a fair way to look ahead, but we're hoping to see 30,000 here at Adelaide Oval. You'll take on the top of the table, Perth Scorchers. Must be hard not to just be looking past the games that you've got coming up and thinking about what you could experience at Adelaide Oval Bridge. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, the 24th of November has been a key date in the diary um, ever since the beginning of the season and when the schedule was announced. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll be fantastic to be at Adelaide Oval. Um, I mean, I think we're already maxing out Karen Rolton as it is. So if we can get 30,000, and if not more than that, that would be unbelievable. Um, I mean, we're playing good cricket as it is now, um, so are the Scorchers. So it should be a great game um, for people to come to. Bridge, I saw that you're up doing the, um, the Adelaide Oval roof climb uh, a day or so ago. Who was best afield up on the uh, ridiculous heights? And I reckon you can tell me who was worse. Someone really, really struggled. Yeah, um, there was a couple, actually. Um, one of our internationals, um, Georgia Adams, she um, wouldn't let go of the handrail. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, obviously, uh, Gemma Barsby, um, classic. She she actually said she wanted to be sick, which was a bit weird <laughs> response. Um, but yeah, that was that was some entertainment. Um, but yeah, cool to, cool to get out there and experience that and um, look out over the um, turf that we'll be playing on shortly. You um, you mentioned Gemma Barsby, and this would have been an experience. She um, opened the bowling, bowled right arm over, and then decided to come left arm around for a period of time. Uh, that's a rarity, and, and it's an incredible skill that she has to be able to bowl both arms. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a rare skill, and no one else has it in the competition. So um, it's great to have Gemma, um, who can bowl both arms, and she can choose when she wants. Um, yeah, whatever the matchup is, she can bowl left, she can bowl right. Um, yeah, it's a cool skill to, skill to have. 
Now, Bridget, before we let you go, uh, on the top four teams, now we, we are obviously a bias, but we think that the Strikers are the best team in the competition. However, the Scorchers currently sit at top of the table uh, and the Sydney Thunder, they're in fourth position. We lost to the Heat the other day. Is there a team out of those three that we've mentioned that are the team to beat for the Strikers this year? Um, yeah, I think I think the top four are um, all really, really tight contenders um, for the title this year. And even... Even teams that are out of it, like I mean, they're probably going to. It's probably going to come down to just a couple of points um, that separates the, the top four completely. Um, I don't want to name one um, exactly. <laughs> Smart, but yeah, obviously the scorches, scorches are going really well at the moment. Um, the heat, and then obviously I can't even remember the last the, the thunder. thunder third team in the bloody four. <laughs> yeah, the Sydney <laughs> um, Thunder. Focused on us. Um, yeah, the Thunder, the Thunder are going extremely well as well. Um, I mean, they haven't been in the finals the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, obviously all teams are hungry for it. Um, but, yeah, every every team within that top four and below even are um, strong strong teams when, they, when they're having their day. Bridget Patterson, one hundred game one hundred and twenty nine ahead for you on Saturday night. Of course, it is game one hundred and twenty nine for the Adelaide Strikers. You've been in great form. Love what you're doing with the bat. Some uh, really important knocks, as well as uh, what you're doing with the keeping. We're looking forward to seeing it continue over the course of the rest of the BBL. Thanks for your time on Sports Day. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Bridget Patterson there, the all-rounder for the Adelaide Strikers, uh, has taken over the gloves this year. She's doing an outstanding job. And, uh, yeah, she's just ice cold with the bat. She, I don't love when the Strikers win the toss and choose to bowl first. I don't think they're great chases, but I reckon Bridget played a really important knock when we lost a couple of wickets early and the run rate started to struggle, but she did a great job for us. Um, so she is a really important part of that team. That is for sure. Dan, what do you got for me? Yeah, it's time for our TV guide, uh, Hooky. So we're going to... We do this every Friday, and for those listening, if you want to know of around about eight to ten sporting events over the weekend that you must tune into, particularly here in Adelaide, South Australia, then here are the eight sporting events we have here this weekend. We're going to start on Friday. We're going to go in order. So tonight, the 36ers take on the Phoenix here at home, Mm -hmm. 7 p.m. So as soon as we're off there, they are on. Bonds are calling that game there. So that's the first one. Then we go to Bridget Patterson's team, the Strikers WBBL versus the Sixers tomorrow night at 6.40. You're going to need two TVs tomorrow night. Well, you're going to need, well, I reckon once I'm finished this, maybe four. So (laughs) the Adelaide Giants, we know that they start their season tonight and this weekend. They play four games. The the main game is always the Saturday night. So they take on the Brisbane Bandits. That's 7pm as well tomorrow night. How about this one? Adelaide takes on the Swans in the AFLW semi-final starting at 7.15. So it's jam-packed in there. I've thrown this one in here just for you, Ben Hook. The Memphis Grizzlies, your Memphis yeah, Grizzlies, they take on the Spurs. Wemba Nyama, the number one pick. I'm not sure if you've seen any of him yet, but that is on Sunday at 11.30 in the play-in tournament, followed by in Las Vegas. I'm not sure if you've heard the, all the ruckus over there at the moment, but the Formula One, it starts at 4.30 our time. Yep. Starts at 10 p.m. live, local time in Las Vegas. Just to get it back into... Um uh, the prime time. Prime for, time, but um, also the, the the city that never sleeps effectively. So that's why they've got it. 10 p.m. Qualifying is at midnight over there, their time tomorrow night. Incredible. Uh, the next one is the World Cup final. This is India taking on Australia Sunday night at 7 p.m. What a matchup that will be. And the final one I have in here is the NFL game of the weekend. You have to wait till Tuesday for this. This is Philadelphia taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, a rematch of last year's Super Bowl. 
also known as the Taylor Swift game. Oh, of course. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey taking on Taylor's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and his brother, Jason Kelsey. Did so, you see that he was in Argentina at yeah. one of her concerts during the week and a week off? Imagine you did that in the yeah. AFL. You've played some AFL. Imagine if it got out that you just went overseas in your bye week. It's a super point. Like, it's it would never happen here in Australia. I mean, it, it does over there. I mean, Dennis Rodman's a good example of when he was at the Chicago Bulls. But, yeah, no, there's plenty of talk about that. If that was here in Australia, that would uh, be all over the front pages. So that is Dan Menzel's TV guide. It's thanks to the Toolkit Depot, tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear. Toolkit Depot's Black Friday sale is coming soon. Better hurry up because isn't it Black Friday today or is that yeah, next it's, week? it's not long to go. November right. 20 to 27. Right. And so, oh, there you are. You've got a Black Friday week in store and online, November 20 to 27. So that's uh, three days time. November 17, of course, it is today. How am I going? Um, and uh, Dan, how have you got so much time to watch TV when you've got uh, a little baby well, that's just arrived in the world? As I explained to my fiance Ash, that I need to do this for my job. I need to watch sport for SEN. So effectively, we sit there and he sits on my arm and I watch sport and I try and do everything at once. It's great. With very, very young ones like that, you can get a lot yes. of sporting TV <laughs> You told watched. me that in about four weeks' time I won't be doing the same <laughs> things, thing. Things are going to change for the worst uh, <laughs> soon enough. Uh, we do our weekly, weekend headline. It's thanks to Australian Made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. We ask for a certainty, an upset and a prediction. I'm a bit of a rarity around here, so I don't know that I've absolutely followed this to script. But, Dan, I'll get you to go up first of all. What is your certainty for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, we just spoke with Bridget Patterson, but my certainty is that the Strikers will win and will beat the Sydney Sixers. It's in Sydney. It's at North Sydney Oval. But they are just – for mine, they're the best team in the comp, and the Sydney Sixers aren't in the best four. They will win that game. That is a certainty. Hooky, what is your certainty? I've got to get Elise Perry out, to be honest. She is – She's the day. She's sort of like the, the – um, uh, the barometer yeah. for the Sydney Sixers. Uh, she's a real threat if she gets away. My certainty, here we go. Wait, cue the text messages here. here. Glenn Maxwell will score less than 20 in the World Cup final. As your certainty? Less than 20. Wow. I mean, when all stakes are on the line, yep. Glenn Maxwell tends to go a little bit silent. Yeah. I mean, I, I probably don't disagree with that. The, the point I'll make with that is. If you're right, we probably don't win the World Cup final because we don't even want him batting with him coming in at potentially six. That's a very good point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the way they select that yep. side. I reckon you've got to leave out Marnus Labuschagne so and Stoinis. bring Marcus Stoinis ah, back in. I, it's a great discussion. I don't think they will. Marnus has made some runs, but I agree with you. I would bring Marcus Stoinis back in. You almost have to go full T20 to beat India in India, and I would be playing Stoinis ahead of... Great discussion. What is your upset for the weekend? Yeah, my upset for the weekend is, well, the Melbourne Demons AFLW team, they were the Premier's last season. They lost last week to North Melbourne comfortably. They're going to go out in straight sets. They are a heavy favourite against my Geelong AFL women's team. They're going to go out in straight sets. That's my upset of the weekend. Hookie, what do you think? Uh, Well, we're on the cusp at the moment, but uh, I'm going to go with the Redbacks taking a late flurry of wickets to deny Western Australia in Perth and go top of the Sheffield Shield ladder. That would be a massive upset. I think we're batting one batter light at the moment. I'd love, I just reckon, love to see Travis head back in that side. I don't even know what's going <laughs> on. But 
uh, our bowling is world class, and I think we'll find a way to shoot the um, Western Australians out in the second innings and go to top. It would make it two incredible finishes in a row if that does happen. Uh, prediction for the weekend. I'll start with this yep. one. My prediction for the weekend, it's not great for Australian fans, but Shubman Gill, he plays in the IPL for Gujarat, which is where the final is. Yep. I think he's going to make a ton, and he's going to be the player of the match in the ODI World Cup final. Travis Head probably makes it confusing for uh, Indians and the way they want to prepare the wicket. They're going to have to produce two green tops yep. so they can avoid Travis Head bowling those beautiful little uh, right-arm spinners as he took a couple of wickets on the way through. I've got a, 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 a prediction for you, and it's going to be an actual headline. I'll be damned, Eloise has Crow's fourth AFL flag back on track. Ooh, I like it. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I'll well, be damned. Yeah, so in my days, uh, Eloise was, was a Barry Ryan song, but it was covered by The Damned wow. in uh, the mid-2000s. Like so it. that's where I'm going. All we've got time for, Dan, great to catch up with you. It'll be uh, the great uh, man, David Wildey, back in the chair uh, next week. Thanks for your company. Have a great weekend. So much going on. Some incredible sport. Go the Sixers to Night. Go the Mighty Strikers tomorrow night and good night, everyone. Kia didn't just make an eight seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV, Australian owned and supporting communities, the arts, and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay.